0: I want to talk to you a little bit about the uh, zebra.com insurance can be complicated and that's why the zebra was created when you see the zebra.com insurance will finally feel like it's in black and white that then the confusion uh, no none of the confusion real companies real rates they're honest. They don't sell all your information. You're not going to be getting calls from anybody. The Zebra is the nation's leading insurance comparison site for car and home insurance. They can help you save a ton of money today. Go to thezebra.com. Answer a few questions. Compare accurate insurance quotes for free. Thezebra.com. Visit the- Z-E-B-R-A.com, thezebra.com, thezebra.com. And uh, go to zebra.com slash Beck.
1: As a man whose home is a pool uh, indoors now, uh, it's important to pick the right insurance company. <laughs> you better I'm make so sure you I'm so mad at you about this.
0: I have to apologize, and I'm so mad at you about that. Hmm. I'll tell you why. Maybe tomorrow. in the day to say to the world's problems i'll see you tomorrow i mean they're all going to be here the world is going to be on fire and there might be another part of the amazon that's burnt down overnight we can wait a day i think it's important that we give rush limbaugh the credit that rush limbaugh deserved uh he was a childlike uh, you know christ said come to me as a child I think in some ways Rush Limbaugh was like that. Uh, every time the Pretenders theme played, he became playful, and childlike. When meeting listeners or standing in front of an audience, receiving a standing ovation, when having simple friends over for dinner, always childlike, never childish. It, it, it stemmed from he loved what he did. He loved people. And when that golden mic was turned on, so was he. It was 12 p.m. Eastern every day where he would enter the gates of his own self built Disney World for the very first time. We honor this hour, Rush Limbaugh, in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about relief factor. Uh, I used to be in a ton of pain all the time. I could barely function just two years ago. I said to Stu, I said to uh, my wife, because I had been trying to do it for almost eight years. I had turned the blaze over to, uh, you know, my business partners about 10 years ago uh, and said, I can't do this anymore because I'm in so much pain. Uh, then two years ago, uh, three years ago, I, I, I said to Stu, I don't know how much longer I can do it. I, I'd just rather be with my family. I'm in so much pain. I'm not going to spend all the time here. Then I found relief factor. I had tried everything, everything, and some things, and I mean, tried crazy things. Some things worked for a while and then stopped working. Relief factor has worked for me now for three years I tried it for three weeks. That's what they say. Three weeks, you should know. I tried it for three weeks. I didn't want it to work, honestly, in some ways, because that would make my wife right. And she's right all the time anyway, so I don't. Anyway, it's a uh, it's relief factor. And you can try it now for three weeks. Try the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety five. You don't have anything to lose accept your pain get your life back relieffactor.com 800-583-84 800 relieffactor.com from behind my cardboard microphone this is the glenbeck program with no hands tied behind my uh, back and talent on loan from Milton Berle, who's been dead for a long time. Welcome to the program. I will tell you, I got into this, this business, uh, this talk radio business in uh, the n- late 1990s, but I only did shows, fill-in shows uh i was doing comedy morning shows and and i was sick of it and i got into talk radio because i felt i had something to say but i really got into it also because i wanted to make fun of it uh all these uh intellectuals that just of uh, you know were high and mighty and most of them and that this time all the local ones were like attorneys That we're all trying to get on and I'm an expert, I'm a local official on the school council and they were boring as snot. And I got into it because I wanted to make fun of all of it and I saw things in a completely different way. I think Rush Limbaugh did the same thing in a way. He was making fun of the media and he mocked all of that. Most people don't know. That the roots of this show really kind of stem back to Florida and, and Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I knew the first time we ever did a talk radio show, Stu will verify that this is true because he it was just like he was so sick of me. And this is like nineteen, what, ninety eight, ninety seven. We did our first talk radio show. And it was just, it was for like an hour, two hours maybe. And I took my headphones off after the first break and I looked at him and he was running the board and helping produce. And I looked at him over the board and I said, we're going to replace Dr. Laura. And he said, what? And I said, this show's going to replace Dr. Laura. And he said, how about we finish our first show? <laughs> and I told him, I said, mark my words. Well, the first time I I was on kind of a job interview. I had done shows for WABC and I'd filled in here and there and but nobody would give me a job. And uh I changed my life. I was really struggling in the 90s. I changed my life. I was an alcoholic. I was I was going on 5 years sober. I had found a an amazing woman that Loved me and uh, also was just really good for me. And then I met my wife, too. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) And I married her, Tanya. And my life changed. But I couldn't get a job. I get baptized. And the the day after my baptism, I just remember this because of the... I, I tried for two years to try to get somebody to to, you know, represent me. I talked to everybody. I couldn't get anybody to represent me. And uh, it was a Monday afternoon and my phone rings at my apartment and a uh, guy on the other side of the phone said, uh, hey, I understand you're looking for an agent. And I said, B- uh, yeah, I have been for two years. And he said, uh, my name's George Hiltzik. He was the biggest agent of radio. At the time, by far, by far, he had done everything in his career. He was an NBC executive. He was part of the original uh, Saturday Night Live legal team. A he, legend. George is a legend. He's a legend. Uh, he's a legend. But anyway, he calls me up and he said, uh, well, I, uh, I heard from uh, Jack Swanson at KGO that maybe I, would, I should pay attention to you. uh and i said okay well thanks and he said well jack's the guy who passed on rush limbaugh so let's not get too excited joking Mm. and i said uh well that's great what do we do and he said well i want to check you out i want to check you out and he said "Uh, i've heard many things about you good and bad he calls me back on wednesday and he said all right i'll take you on Now, I'm thinking to myself over the last couple of days, I'm thinking to myself, there's a chance this guy won't take 10% of my money. And uh, I I said that to George. He said, I'll take you on. I said, really, honestly, I've been thinking about this for a while. You mean to tell me that you would pass up 10% of what I'm already making because you wanted to check me out and see? And he said, you're entering a new territory. He said, you want to go into talk radio. He said, you can't be a fraud in talk radio. And I've heard stories about you in the past, but I understand that you're trying to change your life. You've sobered up, you're stable, and you're a good man. And I said, wow, well, thank you. Yes, I am. And he said, well, that's why I'm taking you on, because no one can fake who they are for three hours without a script every day. The audience is too smart. They will figure you out and you're done. He said, and I've wasted my time. So I take that job. I, I, I take him as a, as a client. I get a job at WFLA in Florida. And I, I had to do kind of, a, uh, kind of a job tryout before. And what they decided to do was to let me do my first network show. I had never, I mean, I had, like, what did we have 20 shows in our back pocket that we had done? And, uh, and they said, we want you to do this, uh, this, uh, network show. And Rush Limbaugh has allowed you, uh, has allowed us to, uh, put you into his studio in New York city. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? So I go in to the Rush Limbaugh studios and Stu and I'll i never forget this giant oil painting. There's a picture I think I tweeted today. Giant oil painting of Rush behind the microphone. And there's the golden microphone. And Stu and I look at each other like, I can't (laughs) believe this. And I did my first show because of his kindness of letting us use that studio. Two years go by, I'm working in Florida, and we went from worst to first. Actually, we went from worst to a (laughs) lot worse (laughs) uh, uh, to first in a two-year period. And um, there was this one week, and I don't even know. I don't even know if I've asked you this. Did you know who was on that phone line that week? You don't even remember this. Mm. So uh, one week just before... Premier offers me a position, uh, the phone line uh, at uh, WFLA is tied up. All week during my show started at three o'clock, was over at seven. One phone line was tied up and I didn't know why. And nobody would tell me. Well, I find out later that Rush Limbaugh was listening to my show every day that week. Good thing they didn't tell me. (laughs) That would have freaked me out. Uh, But he was he had been asked to listen to my show by premiere. Now, I find this out later. The head of premiere, Craig Kitchen, goes down to Florida to meet with Rush. And Rush knows that the meeting is about me. And Craig said to me uh, later, after we started to really know each other, we were talking about this bogus with talent alone from God and how how much of an act that was, how humble he really was in person, how quiet he was in person. He wasn't that beat his chest guy. That that part was an act. But his listeners knew that. They're in on the, in on in all in all on the joke, yeah. in on the joke. Um, and he said, in fact, you know, we had to ask Rush for permission out of courtesy to hire you. And I said, what? They said, yeah, he listened a few weeks ago, you know, when you were when you were, you know, on the air before we before we offered you this gig. He listened. We asked him to listen. And I remember the phone line. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's who it was. They had him listen for a week because they had so much deference for him. Because I was going to be before him on the network. They wanted to make sure that Rush was OK with the lead in. Apparently, he said yes. But the point of the story is, is while he was sitting there at dinner, when Craig sat down the first thing he said was it's been a good run it's been a great run craig hasn't it and craig said mm, yeah it has it's like we've accomplished a lot and i'm i'm comfortable so don't worry about it you know not everybody lasts you know forever he actually thought that he was having dinner Because they were going to say to him, it's over. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Most people don't last 30 years in this business. But Rush Limbaugh didn't know he wasn't most people. He still had the excitement and he still had the humility to go. It could be over at any time. That's hard for somebody who's worth $600 million. That's hard for somebody who has 27 million listeners a week. To put that into perspective, Colbert has about 3 million a night. Rush had 27 million a week. Do the math how humble he really was. More in a second. Alright, you sick, twisted freak. Our sponsor is Built Bar. Day forty-nine of weight loss regime. Dear diary, exercising went really well today. I sat on the couch and watched an aerobics video for close to an hour. I have to say, my heart rate was up. It was an old Jane Fonda exercise movie, and uh, boy, holy cow! Oof, that was bad. I don't know why people are always complaining about, you know, exercising. I mean, it, they're always complaining they looked like they were worn out at the end, but I sat there eating some some uh, Cheetos and eating some potato chips. I didn't even break a sweat. I ought to be down 50 pounds in, I don't know, a week, because I'm exercising finally. Actually, I didn't have any of the potato chips I was eating Built Bar. If you haven't tried a built bar yet, you are missing out because this will help you stay on your diet. And it's not a diet, bar; it's a protein bar and it's really, really healthy for you. But it's made with real chocolate, healthier than the average protein bar. Ton of flavors for you to choose from. It doesn't have any aftertaste like protein bars. It protein bars taste like a doormat. Let's be honest. Seriously. Is that seagrass? Yes, it probably is. It's a protein bar. Not this. Try it. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code BECK and you'll get 20% off your next order. It's promo code BECK. 20% off now at BuiltBar.com. 10 seconds, station ID. <sighs> Golly. Well, we have uh, spent most of the show, except for the last, what, 38 minutes now, talking about the late and truly great Rush Limbaugh. And uh, what's frightening is, as I said earlier, you remember when you were the ones at the head, or you were at the kids' table, and now you find yourself at the head of the table. You know, if you're 50, 60 years old and all the older people are, are dying off, you're like, oh, crap, I'm the next for the dirt vault. <laughs> and uh, and there's, there was a lot of wisdom there at the table that now is lost. And I look, at, I look at all of us who remain, who are now, what, supposed to fill his shoes? Nobody can fill those. I look at us and we're all bluffing. <laughs> all of us are bluffing, no matter what anybody says. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one bluffing and they're all experts, but I don't think so. Uh, and uh, I feel badly for the next generation, uh, if there is a next generation, because you're having to, you're having to learn from us. Good luck. Good luck with that. So in the long run, kids, what I'm saying is he was very optimistic. But I don't think he paid that much attention to what was following him. So when it comes to good talk radio, (laughs) because now it's up to us.
1: And it's more than just talk radio, right? I mean, you know, Rush was so central to the conservative movement. I mean, he was basically the head of it post Reagan. I mean, it was basically Rush Limbaugh as the head of the movement. And, you know, he leaves a huge gap there. You know, I mean, Rush Limbaugh is largely the reason I'm a conservative. I mean, I, coming out of high
0: school, I didn't really pay attention to politics at all. Reagan was for me, but but Limbaugh cemented things like you. I knew what I believed, but I really hadn't, you know, the thing that was so frustrating with, with rush was when you would talk to friends before rush Limbaugh was the antichrist, you'd talk to friends and you would say, you got to listen to this guy. You got to listen to him. Yeah. You'd be debating something you'd be talking about. And you're like, I I can't say it. Like he says it. I I just, you have to listen. Mm -hmm. And that's the only frustrating thing is, uh, you know, we're not all rush Limbaugh.
1: No, he was really, really good at this. But, you know, he was it, it, this, that that approach was possible back then, too. You could win people over by having people listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, because oh, yeah. that's why they destroyed him. That's why they did it. And of course, you know, partially because of things like social media where things get taken out of context. It wasn't what? Yeah, I know. It, you know, most of the people you've heard over the past couple of days who are just dancing on Rush Limbaugh's grave in a grotesque ways that I don't remember ever doing to a to a liberal. Um, But, you know, the people reveal themselves in these moments, but they're dancing on his grave. And most of them have literally never heard one show, not even an hour of Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. They've taken in only Media Matters bullcrap sort of clips out of context, you know, whatever bad joke they think he made 10 years ago. They've been repeated a thousand times. And when you listen to him as a whole, you realize that he was a broadcaster, an entertainer, a very smart person who is incredibly well-read over a multitude of topics, and a person who could break down things into uh, into little chunks that people could understand. But as you point out, it's not just that. It's not just a couple clever tweets that you could pull off today. It's, you know, 15 hours a week uh, without a script. I mean, it's yeah, these, totally these Hollywood
0: animal. types, these even news anchors, anybody that you watch, you have no idea. You have no idea how few people can do what Rush Limbaugh did. Talking without a script, being able to do it for three hours, uh that takes real intellectual heft. The program. And then there's people like me that just <laughs> Every day, I'm like, how the hell am I still on the radio? I don't get it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're looking to sell your house, you might need to do some remodeling. I don't know. Uh, Stu, you don't really need to. You're- <laughs> Your pipes burst in your house, swimming, yeah. indoor swimming pool. Yeah. It's, it's all in feature. the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you need a great real estate agent and somebody who has a deep Rolodex. So if there, is, if there are things to change in your house, you need the people who really understand it, who are showing houses and listening to what people are saying. The market has changed dramatically dramatically. The, the, you know, the whole idea of a, uh, a formal dining room, eh, that's over. It's totally different now, and you really have to have a real estate agent that knows what the market is looking for, can help you get your house sold for the most amount of money uh, and a f- at a fast time and an easy time. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the right one for you now. All right, and head over
1: to blazetv.com slash Glen. Promo code is Glen. They've got 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn.
0: Many members of the uh, media are taking um, sick, twisted glee in the death of uh, Rush Limbaugh. And they're also uh, trying to set the history uh, against him, uh, make sure that that's cemented in by playing all kinds of bad things that he have said uh, that he has said, uh, either in jest or in mistakes that he uh, uh, later apologized for. Um, you know, it doesn't matter to people anymore. If it's even true, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, and he may be the last example of, of somebody who's just, uh, really bulletproof, really bulletproof. And even he had some scary times. I I was, we were supposed to be with him the day he lost his Monday night football gig. And, uh, that was a really weird day. Um, and, uh. And yet, you know, yet he had carved himself his uh, a place where he could, you know, continue to do what he did because he listened to the listeners. And that's what I did with the Blaze. And we are grateful, truly grateful that the only people we have to answer to are you. And we ask you to join us um, at uh, BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Save 30% on your subscription now. But, uh, Talk radio is going to come under attack because everything is and they have to shut you up. Uh, last night I did a show, uh, our Wednesday night special on uh, national suicide and what's actually killing our kids. And I started the show with Christopher Rufo. folks. We started with the... Um, non-literal suicide the national suicide uh, that that really comes from critical race theory christopher is the contributing editor for the uh, city journal and the director of center on wealth and poverty he is the guy who is really responsible for for rooting this out and and letting people know what critical race theory is and how deeply embedded in the system if you missed last night's show we talked about Um, This curriculum that is in public schools up in New York, uh, and they identify the eight white identities uh, that you have. And it starts at white supremacist. And then I think the I think one of them is a race trader. And that's on the good side of the scale, by the way, if you're a race trader, if you're selling out the white race, it's 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 crazy. Um, I wanted to bring Christopher back. This is the only thing that we have done today that is not uh, related to Rush Limbaugh because I think this is so important. Chris, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Um, First of all, any thoughts on Rush Limbaugh? Did you listen to him? Yeah, you know,
2: I I, I didn't. You know, I I grew up actually, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, Glenn, as a kind of uh liberal bohemian in california that was my upbringing and really my political orientation for for most of my youth and then i started kind of questioning those assumptions it started to not match with reality i started veering more towards the center and uh i wrote my, one of my first pieces for city journal um where i was still kind of in the center maybe center right and rush read it on air i got a flood of emails and it was very wow. strange because i had been grown up hearing all of these bad things about rush limbaugh and then i started listening. I said, Oh, interesting. I, Rush Limbaugh's reading my story. I started listening. And I said, man, what you hear, what people in California and the people that are spewing so much venom on Twitter here is so different than what you actually hear from his words. And, uh, I, I became a, a fan, uh, subsequently. And, um, you know, it, it was very sad uh, to hear the news.
0: Yeah. I wanted to get Tammy Bruce. Maybe we get Tammy Bruce. See if we can get Tammy Bruce on the show tomorrow. She tweeted something. She was very, very, you know, she was the head of the National Organization of Women for a while. And then she met Rush Limbaugh. And uh, it changed her life. <clears throat> and she said the same thing. Everything I believed and everything I had been told about him and his audience just wasn't true. Um Let's talk about critical race theory, uh, because I am getting um, messages from people who want to know I have to go into a critical race theory kind of thing in my office and they'll fire me if I say anything. I saw Accenture, I think, let a 30 year partner go because he spoke up against this and said we shouldn't be doing any of this. Tell me about how critical race theory is going to be affecting people if it hasn't already, in their places of business and what they should do?
2: Yeah, I mean, if it it isn't already in your workplace and your workplace is like a a large corporation, a publicly owned firm, uh, it's coming and it's going to come under the guise of diversity, equity and inclusion programs, which which sound great, um, but sometimes are really aggressive uh, propaganda and indoctrination campaigns.
0: Can you can, can, and, can you say first what, what the difference between equality, which our Constitution talks about, and equity, which is critical race theory? What is the difference? Because they sound the same and people think, ah, equity, equality, it's the same. It's not.
2: Yeah, e- equality is the idea that we're all created uh, equal under God and that we, the government, uh, should protect individual rights regardless of Race, creed, color, religion, et cetera. Um, and essentially, it's the equal protection uh, under the law. Equity is the, the critical race theorists basically say, hey, equality hasn't worked. We still have large racial disparities. Uh, there's still kind of systemic racism in society. Uh, so they've abandoned the idea of equality, treating people equally, and replaced it with equity, which is treating groups as units and then trying to equalize outcomes based on group identity. Um, So if a very kind of quick way to think about it is equality is something like the equality of opportunity uh, and equity uh, is the equality of results, uh, which we've seen um, over and over in the 20th century lead to uh, human and uh, social disaster.
0: Okay, so I'm in my office. Thank God this isn't happening at uh, my company. But I'm in I'm in my office and I get a note that says I have to attend this racial diversity and equity Class, and I want nothing of it, and maybe there are people in my office, but no one will say anything, what do I do, and what, what happens if nobody does stand up against it?
2: Well, th- there's, a couple, there's a couple things you can do. One is if you feel uh, confident enough and you feel like you have uh, the conviction to do so, uh, you can stand up, you can speak out, you can send a a, a letter to the h r department, letting them know that uh, these theories don't actually lead to better outcomes in the business literature uh, they they put the firm at legal risk for lawsuits um, and that they conflict with your own deeply held beliefs
0: how do um, wait 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 how do, how do they open up the firm for lawsuits
2: well, you know I, I'm working on this, uh, but I think there's a strong case to be made, and there's some uh some kind of analogies in case law, that if critical race theory, for example, traffics in racial stereotypes, they say uh, white people can be reduced to the essence of whiteness and it's it's analogous with oppression. Um, You know, That's a violation of the Civil Rights Act. If they compel speech, especially in public institutions, um, that's also a violation of the law. And then if it creates a toxic work environment, which in many cases it does, it's pitting people against each other, um, it's, it's, it's creating a kind of race-based harassment, which is a protected category. Again, these are all actual violations of the law. And I think big companies are maybe the, the quickest to potentially change, uh, change tack because uh, their legal departments, if this starts becoming a cost center, if it starts becoming a legal risk, if they start fearing lawsuits, um, they're gonna probably disband a lot of these programs pretty quickly. So I, I think that's one you know, excellent way Uh, forward that we could hopefully see unfold in the next few years
0: you have giant companies are you you're read up on uh the great reset chris yeah um -hmm. i mean you see these uh what are called esgs uh, these standards in these big companies and that's the first red flag if your if your company has an esg environmental social justice and governmental standards um you're already in trouble
2: yeah, and and I think people are going to have to make a, a big decision. If your beliefs, uh, your politics, uh, your faith is important and you work at a company that is actively uh, kind of mobilizing against it, um you have a tough ethical and moral choice to make. Do you stay and fight uh, or do you find employment with a company that lets you express yourself more authentically? And I've talked to a lot of people in the last 6 months where they say, "You know, I I have these obligations. I have a family, I have a career, I have a reputation." But this is just eating away at me, this political indoctrination, trying to shame people, trying to create collective guilt based on race or faith or identity. Um, And I I tell them, you know, you really have two options. You have you're going to have to sit and take it uh, or you're going to have to have some courage and stand up for those convictions. And in some cases, people are actually starting to fight back. And in, you know, some cases, even fewer, unfortunately, they're actually having success at shutting down these programs.
0: Um you um you did a great story in the City Journal on anti-racism comes to the heartland and you talk about Springfield, Missouri, how the teachers are being forced to locate themselves on the oppression ma- matrix, which is what? The oppression
2: matrix is a is a kind of graph or grid that was designed by some social justice academics that basically said these are the the checklists that makes you an oppressor. These are the checklist that makes you an oppressed person. So uh, white, male, heterosexual, English-speaking Christians were the kind of dominant oppressors. And then, you know, the the other side. And and it was a middle school in Springfield, Missouri, a place that is not a, a kind of progressive stronghold. It's not L.A. or New York. And they were forcing teachers to essentially locate themselves on this oppression matrix and telling white male teachers, you are an oppressor uh, telling female or people of color that we're teaching in the system. You are an oppressed, Um, taking in none of the actual reality of the situation, no no one's individual stories and categorizing them in this way. And teachers were absolutely outraged. Um, You know, they leaked me the documents and, uh, and uh, hopefully the school district will think twice before doing it again.
0: It, it, it also, they handed out uh, flyers or some, you know, um, Uh, training materials and the handout originally listed maga as quote a form of covert white supremacy now they took that off because people found out about it and so they went back into the hiding and they scampered under the refrigerator like cockroaches do but uh maga this this is this should show you where we're headed when they say hey we got to find extremists the the stuff that is being passed out to our teachers in schools is really revealing on, on who they think those dangerous extremists are, and they're the people in the red states.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's right. And I think we've seen an evolution of language. For the last four years under uh, the Trump administration, there was this drumbeat from the media constantly saying, uh, making the association that white conservative Christians uh, are, are by definition white supremacists. And there was a attempt to tie those two phrases together. And then on January 6th, and I know you condemned it, I condemned it, the, 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 the violence at the Capitol, uh, they were gleeful. You could, you could, those 72s after, they said, this is our big opportunity. We can now move from white supremacists to white supremacist domestic terrorists. And, and it's a, really a kind of, maybe spontaneously coordinated, but clearly mm-hmm. a, a coordinated language campaign to basically create the connotation between conservative and Republican voters and white supremacists and domestic terrorists. And these phrases are, are dangerous. I mean, it's a, it's a truly, you know, the worst thing that can be. Uh, and they're trying to basically annex all conservative voters uh, into that kind of linguistic umbrella, um, which then they could use to silence, to deplatform, to uh, outlaw, and to marginalize um, what I think is, you know, if not a majority, a strong plurality of the country.
0: Christopher Rufo, thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you for all of your hard work. Uh, you can follow him at, on Twitter at RealChrisRufo, R U F O, or his website is ChristopherRufo.com. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk again. Thank you. All right, let me tell you about Goldline. Um right now people are investing in uh, gold, silver and some are investing in Bitcoin. I will tell you I've invested in both. Uh one is really really rock solid. One is fluctuating. One uh, is being discussed now about being uh taken out or regulated by governments all over the world because they don't want somebody else to have this control or uh, in other words, take away the government's control of uh, fiat currency. I have trust. I have hope in Bitcoin. I have trust in gold because gold has been around as the standard when everything hits the fan, gold and silver is what the world has always returned to as uh, As my favorite poem says, when the gods of the copybook headings return, we return to things that are real and gold and silver, not the paper gold and silver, the actual silver. When silver really starts to move, uh, Goldline will not be giving it away with gold orders right now as a free promotion. Uh, they won't be able to afford to, but right now they're doing it. This is the last week to receive free walking Liberty half dollars with the purchase of a tube of gold lines, $5 gold Liberty coins. You can now receive 25 of the half dollars at no cost. Every time you buy uh, a tube of the, uh, gold Liberty coins this week only when they sell out, they're gone. They're standing by to take your call right now at 866-GOLDLINE. Call them now. Do your homework. You're smart enough to figure it out. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is weird. For the first time in, what, 19 or 20 years, uh, this is the first time I haven't thought, okay, what is Limbaugh leading with, and how can I lead into that with him? uh first time i know it's uh, uh, it's,
1: it's a it's, it's an weird. end of a an era is an understatement with this one yes yeah. is really tough it
0: it may be the beginning of a new era and a very frightening <laughs> era i i know i i know <laughs> yeah. i know uh couldn't come at a worse time uh than uh than it just did um it, i just looked up at the screen uh on MSNBC, how to manage life after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, gee, that makes me wanna run out and get it. First of all, how to manage life after you get the vaccine? I don't know, go back to doing your work and doing your life. That's the whole point of it. Gosh. They should be encouraging people. Hey, guess
1: what? Get the vaccine, you get to go back to your life. If you've already had COVID, you get to go back to your life. No, no, no. No, we all have to wear masks after you had the vaccine and you've had the, the virus. It's silly. And it's hurting people.